A hundred years after Some Women Won the Vote, People's History Museum, the home of ideas worth fighting for, explores how far we have come in the fight for representation and how far we have to go. I'm Helen Antrobus and join me as episode by episode, I look at some of the incredible objects and stories in Represent Voices 100 Years On. The media plays an extremely important part of how we're represented. A hundred years ago, the suffrage campaigners understood the significance in how they were represented and how how they were seen by the press. We can see the same issues playing out today where misrepresented communities such as the LGBT plus community and the BME community are fighting back against misrepresentation. Seeing ourselves represented in media outlets such as film and television is also important, something that organisation Legally Black are fighting for in our campaigns today. As we round the corner to look at the wall filled with the media images and objects in the exhibition, the first thing we come across is a selection of film posters. Film posters that you probably recognise. Bridget Jones's Diary, James Bond, Harry Potter, Doctor Who, even the in-betweeners. They're all things from our screens that we recognise, that we know, and that have become cemented within British culture. These posters, however, look somewhat differently. In February 2018, Legally Black, a group of activists campaigning against misrepresentation of the BME community in film, created these incredible posters. They replaced the leads on the posters, all of which were white, with young black people taking on these roles. For Doctor Who, we see a young black woman playing the part of the Doctor. Bridget Jones's Diary, we see again a young black woman playing the role. And for Harry Potter, the roles of Harry, Ron and Hermione have been taken by three young black students instead. The tagline of all these posters went along the lines of, if you're surprised by these, there's not enough representation of BME people in the film and television industry. And they really did highlight these issues. The film posters are absolutely incredible and the group behind them even more so. When the People's History Museum contacted Legally Black to see whether we could use these posters, they responded that they would be more than happy to and they provided us with some fantastic commentary on how they made these posters and exactly why they made these posters, that they channeled their anger and their frustration into something positive, into a campaign that would grab hold of the entire nation. And when we invited them to the museum to see these posters, they were unfortunately unable to attend because they were doing their A-levels. This really adds to how fantastic this campaign was. It wasn't something carried out by seasoned campaigners or activists, but by young people who saw something wrong, who recognised something that needed to change and decided to carry out that change themselves. And it also highlights a huge part of what's wrong with the media, not just underrepresentation, but misrepresentation as well. This was a problem for the suffrage campaigners as well. The term suffragette was in fact coined by the Daily Mail in 1906, and it was used as an insult. However, it was very quickly reclaimed by the organisation and they took on the title quite proudly. But it really demonstrates the approach that these mainstream newspapers took towards the movement. They insulted these women, they mocked them. They didn't believe that they were proper women. They felt that they were abandoning their roles and their families. This really demonstrates how mainstream newspapers really viewed these women as women who were abandoning their roles as domestic women, as housewives, as mothers. 
And it was really reflective in the articles and the commentary that they used during particularly the, particularly the arrests of the suffragettes. However, some newspapers did support the organisations. The Manchester Guardian was a huge supporter of the NUWSS and the law-abiding constitutional suffragists. In fact, some newspapers even took sides between the different factions of the movement. And when Jesse Stevenson, who was the WSPU organiser in Manchester, tried to arrange a meeting with C.P. Scott, who was the editor of the Manchester Guardian, he refused quite strongly, preferring the peaceful, law-abiding constitutional efforts of the NUWSS to the militant, troublemaking ones of the WSPU. The Daily Herald, a newspaper that People's History Museum archives and keeps in its collection, also supported the suffrage movement. And on display in the exhibition here, we have two cartoons, both from 1914, taken from the Daily Herald. The Daily Herald were a traditionally left-wing newspaper. They were against the war and they often supported the Labour Party in their endeavours. The first cartoon refers to the force feeding of the suffragette movement. A young woman sits in her prison cell Thin, starved, wearing the prison arrow garments that were provided and became synonymous with the suffragettes, stands alongside Joan of Arc, who has appeared to her in a vision. Now, Joan of Arc looks feminine, strong and powerful in her armour, and she's also got an ethereal glow around her. And underneath, the caption states that Joan of Arc was speaking to the woman, and she says, Ah, yes, I remember, even in my day, your English had a way of dealing with women. This cartoon really ties the two together. It really demonstrates that the suffragettes weren't just trouble-causing women, but they were actually new reincarnations of Joan of Arc, of that famous woman who took on the role of man and won. The cartoon below it refers to the death of Emily Wilding Davison. Now, this is probably one of the most well-known moments in suffrage history. Emily Wilding Davison was a martyr to her cause. And at the Epsom races in 1913, she tried to pin the colours of the movement onto the king's horse. However, she died after being hit by the horse of injuries sustained. The cartoon shown before us is quite graphic. It's actually of a skeleton wearing a woman's clothes, carrying a sandwich board that, read, that reads votes for women. And it really highlights the fact that this is what it had come to, that the only way women could get the vote is if they died for it. In the background of this cartoon, there's a funeral procession. This funeral procession actually references the horse and how, at the time, more people cared that the horse was injured than that a woman had died. However, not all newspapers supported the campaign and even before the militant actions begun, newspapers were pointing out that women's rights were not something that should be taken seriously. In front of me is the fun alamac of women's vision of the future. It was a cartoon drawn in the late 1860s, so just after the NUWSS had first started. And in the foreground of the picture are four women with fierce expressions wearing very traditional Victorian dress. The woman at the front is pinching a rather large oversized muscle, which was considered highly masculine at the time. And around these four women are four different cartoons, and it demonstrates how a woman would have seen the future at the time. The first cartoon to the left is this woman forcing a man to his knees, trying to get him to propose to her. The second image below this is a woman carrying her husband to bed as he is having a hysterical tantrum. You can see where the roles are starting to be reversed. 
what this cartoon starts to say is that if women have the vote, if women have more rights, the men will be demasculized and the woman will take on the patriarchal role. The next cartoon I find slightly more sinister. It's called A Slight Domestic Dispute and it's the husband and wife having a boxing match. The man is losing, he's on the floor beaten. It's quite chilling when you consider that these roles are reversed, that this element of domestic violence of being able to beat your wife into submission was something that could be laughed at at the time. And finally, the image in the bottom of the cartoon shows a woman sat by the fire contently reading her book, The Rights of Woman. Her husband, beaten and bruised with a broken arm, sits next to her. He's nursing a baby. This cartoon shows there was no simple way to achieve equality. What anti-suffragists and misogynists believed at the time was that if women had more rights, they would have become the dominant sex, that they would overrule the men of the country. They couldn't see equality for what it was, women on the same footing as men, women on the same page as men. In their view, one or the other had to succeed and the other had to fail. These ideas of equality don't go away, they don't diminish. They're seen in the anti-suffrage movement right up until 1918, that if women are able to vote, if women are able to have a voice, they will take on the more masculine, the dominant role. But they go right up to the 1980s as well, and we can see this in another portrait in the exhibition, that of Linda Bellos. And she set about to make lots of changes, particularly for the working class people in the area. Surrounding this portrait are several newspaper headlines that were written against Linda Bellos in the 80s. And she herself says, I am not anti-man. I am not anti-white. I am not anti-police. I am anti-wrong. And it demonstrates that even right up until that time, the idea of equality, the idea of positive change, not the idea of one thing taking over the other, is still very present in the media and in the fight for better change. The media could be an incredibly powerful tool for campaigners and activists. It would be a way of creating positive change. It would be a way of getting your voice out there. It would be a way of gathering support and more followers. The suffragist and the suffragette movements recognise this and strive to get exceptionally good media attention. For the suffragettes and their militant actions, even bad press was good press. And for militant forces, national women and for Millicent Fawcett's National Union of Women's Suffrage Societies, the press that they gathered demonstrated how much better received their law-abiding and peaceful actions were over the law-breaking of the suffragettes. Misrepresentation and underrepresentation is still something incredibly challenging in the media. And when, whether we use it for good or whether it's used for bad, is something that should be continually recognised and fought against. Whatever tactics are employed in the fight for using your voice or your vote, the legacy of the suffrage movement, the legacy of the campaigners and activists that have come before us have had a huge impact on the fights we carry out today. Join me next episode for the final instalment of this podcast, where I look at the legacy of not only the suffrage movement, but the women and men campaigning for social justice today.